Hello, I'm Hannah and welcome to my podcast, Don't Tell Me to Relax, the antidote to unhelpful fertility information. I'm a fertility acupuncturist and educator and this podcast aims to empower and inform you about your menstrual cycle and your fertility. It's basically all that information you didn't get in sex education at school with the aim of helping you improve your reproductive health and increase your chances of conception. Hiya, and welcome back. We are unbelievably at episode, is it six or seven? I've actually forgotten. We were just talking about it. Seven? Seven? Seven. Yeah. (laughs) I can't believe it. We're at episode seven. Um, I don't know where the time has gone, but this is a a spicy one, as they say, because we decided we were going to do, well, we couldn't talk about the menstrual cycle without looking at PMS because it is something that affects, well, statistically, it's 90% of us. So 90% of people who have a menstrual cycle at some point in their life will be impacted by PMS, premenstrual syndrome. And obviously that the range of that is huge and it obviously can change depending on where you are in your life and depending on what's happening each month. But it is definitely something that I think does impact our lives quite often. So that's where we're going today. Um, So Katie, tell us, PMS, Mm. how has it been for you over your life? Horrible. Really horrible. Um, Sorry. (laughs) I've talked about it like a lot in various different platforms and things just because I do think I've probably been at the more extreme end of the spectrum with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you've treated me for it through that acupuncture. <laughs> and um, yeah, so my experience with PMS is very linked to my mental health. So I have obsessive compulsive disorder and I believe I probably have something which we call PME, which is premenstrual exacerbation. So basically my PMS symptoms make, or my PMS makes my mental health significantly more difficult and challenging. So for me, it will always, historically it's improved now, but historically about 10 days before my period started, it would be like, okie dokie here we go what's gonna happen and just like what part of my life am I gonna ruin this month (laughs) like would you literally just wake up with it like one day be okay and then wake up with it the next day or did you know that it was coming it took a while to kind of work it out so I, I used um an app and I was the only thing I was tracking was when my period would come uh, and yes. as I was using that it would the thing that kind of made me go I'd be feeling like very anxious like throughout that day and just being like what's happening and like the anxiety would be so much that I'd almost be thinking like is my period coming in the next couple of days and it just became really obvious that cycle after cycle I'd be looking at that app and it'd be like period due in 10 days period due in 10 days so like I really noticed that changes in hormones like after ovulation yeah and um um my OCD um involves a lot of like internal rumination so I just go over things in my head like to a ridiculous degree that is utterly paralyzing and makes me like avoid certain situations so my OCD would revolve a lot around relationships for instance so with my first girlfriend I would break up with her on a monthly basis like without fail 
Yeah. Like I would be starting to get very anxious. My intrusive thoughts would start. I'd be obsessively ruminating over them. It would get so much that the best thing I could do was sort of like remove myself from the situation, which was to cause yeah. a breakup. And I would do that on a monthly basis. So like it could be <laughs> quite destructive. Um, and when this was happening, did you not realize at that point what the triggers were? Was it kind no. of... Yeah, I didn't know I had OCD. I kind of knew there was some link with my period, but like it felt given everything that we're told, it's always like a few days before your period that these symptoms can start. That I was like, well, it's always 10 days before, but is, is that PMS? Like, what is that? Can it be that? Like, surely not. That's so early, but it's definitely, definitely, definitely been so linked. Um, to whatever my OCD has clung on to at the time and like yeah. really making that um, really difficult. So yeah, I would say more at the extreme end of the spectrum perhaps. Yeah. But um, yeah, such a clear link for me with what my hormones are doing and where my mental health is at. Yeah. And it's 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 really good to talk about, isn't it? Because I think lots and lots of people don't necessarily link the two together. And I think, you know, you know, from Western medicine point of view, GPs and even counsellors might not necessarily always have an understanding of sort of mental health issues and the exacerbation of um, hormones and hormones linking to mental health as well. You know, the two Mm. are so interconnected, aren't they? And if you're not somebody who understands that, whether you're a person going through it or a practitioner treating it, then it's it's really difficult to be able to help or support that person. Mm, Definitely. Like, I've got really lucky in that Um, I've worked with a therapist for a long time and like I totally appreciate the privilege that comes there because I've seen the same therapist privately for a a few years now and um, she has been so good with me on so many levels but like she's really clocked as I started to clock as well and she's really listened to me of saying like this is so much worse when my period's due yeah and um, in like recent months when I was like having a difficult time she was like you need to do the things that you know help you and we're going to talk about different things that can help you at the end of this episode she's like you need to have them very much in place before it gets bad because yes because mine is so cyclical yeah she's like we can anticipate this coming so we need to have stuff in place to like protect you and support you ahead of time rather than you dropping downhill and being like oh gosh like we're in a hole how do we get out yeah because once you're in it it's it's yeah so making the hole somewhat shallower compared to a pit (laughs) (laughs) what's interesting and alarming is that you know researching before coming on today is the lack of uh, studies and research that has been done into this is absolutely I mean I don't know I don't know why I'm surprised by it because you'd think after working in 10 years in women's health and being a woman myself I would you know know that this happens but there is so little research into PMS and and what its causes are to the point where people don't actually know there is no conclusive scientific explanation for PMS, PME, PMDD, you know, all the different variations and severities of this issue. I mean, some people even say it's not a thing. You know, how very dare they? I mean, I don't know who those people are or where they live. We need to find them. 
and tell them. So, but you know, the, it's the the lack of research that goes into it is unbelievable. Given that you know, ninety percent of people can experience it, and I've got a really, really upsetting statistic. So, it says that ninety percent of women suffer from um, PMS, and um, only nineteen percent of men suffer from um, erectile dysfunction. And yet there are five times as many research studies, five times, I'm going to say it again, as many research studies going into <laughs> erectile dysfunction. In fact, to be honest, erectile dysfunction has been kind of cured, hasn't it? Yeah. They, they've studied it. They've found, you know, Viagra. They've found yeah. ways around it. Um, and that only affects 19% of the population. So... My that head is, is literally in my hands. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's actually really, really, really depressing. It's really depressing. Like, yeah. it just doesn't, like, I'm going to say it. If something affected 90% of men, yeah, like, they'd yeah. do something about it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, like, you know, I, I'm somebody who, you know, to be honest, through most of my life, I've been very lucky in that I haven't really suffered but when I have suffered, and actually, interestingly, because I'm now perimenopausal, I have noticed it more. And right. it, is, it is really, really debilitating. I definitely feel different before my period comes. I definitely mm. have hormone changes. The degree to which it impacts my life, you know, is not, is not massive. But it has definitely started to get worse. And, and obviously, you know, we see so many people in clinic, obviously working with you, you know, treating you through... Yeah happened recently mm. you can really see the extent to which it can impact a person's life mm -hmm. their ability to do their job yeah. their ability to function in relationships as you would were, were just yeah. talking about yeah you know this lack of kind of um research and a willingness to kind of acknowledge it yeah it's really really shit <laughs> yeah it's just it really no, is. But it is it's ridiculous and like the fact that it's so like within our culture as well of sort of like, oh, like she's moody, she must be on a period kind of thing. Yeah. It's just like she's on the rag. Yeah, and it's just it's like that, or you're just being hormonal, or I tell, yeah. you, I tell you the worst one. The worst one is if somebody says, "Is your period due?" Yeah, you're like I want to slap them. Like I mean, it's really yeah. Yeah. Even if it is due and they're right, yeah. it's still really annoying. I did a whole, like, the PMS workshop I did, like, in last summer. I called it, like, why are you so moody? Because it's like, yes. when people yeah. ask you that, you're just like, you just want to scream at them and be like, because I'm really struggling with this. Like, I'm not, it's not, yeah. there are lots of things you can do to support it, but when you don't know what those things are like it can be really tough like it can be really alter your experience of your day-to-day -day and yeah. make it really difficult and then when someone like points it out to you and like your hormones aren't supporting you and maybe you are more moody or irritable or anxious yeah. whatever it is when someone says that to you you're like f off <laughs> like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's interesting i remember when i read uh Maisie's book uh, period power mm. and she talks about that um notion that when you're premenstrual what you're actually seeing is a bit of reality of life mm. you know it's like a little bit of a window as to what actually 
is the situation because mm -hmm. and, I, I, and you know I, I do think there are definitely learning yeah learnings that you can take from that time mm -hmm. of life because I guess if you think about it estrogen kind of is the rose tinted kind of you know sugar coating hormone that kind yeah. of makes you kind of capable and on it and I guess you know the you know the sensitivity progesterone whether it's a lack of progesterone or, or too much progesterone whatever it is you know I guess it you know when you take the kind of veil away what you're left with is the reality of pants on the floor or <laughs> you know washing up not done or whatever and you know maybe when you're in the first half of your menstrual cycle you're less kind of sensitive to that and you're more mm -hmm. like you just put up with it but maybe when you're premenstrual what you're seeing is actually this is just not good enough you know mm -hmm. it's like all that patriarchy or whatever you want to call it yeah comes to the forefront so maybe that you know rather than dismiss it as being well i'm just being hormonal and it's just my hormones maybe actually there is a flag there of something mm. that needs to be addressed in life and I, I think there is definitely some truth in that isn't there that you know it's too it's too simplistic isn't it to be dismissed as just being hormonal and once you get back through that week you'll be fine again because it, it's kind of like it's not a distorted reality it's just a different version of it yeah, definitely. That's a good way of putting it. It's just like a different version of yeah. it. I yeah. think, yeah, it's kind of, I guess that's where the power of like being able to like tune into yourself yeah, and check in with kind of what's going on. And yeah, the th I mean, the thing that like, I've definitely struggled with that kind of concept of like, there's truth in what comes up when you're like PMSing yeah. is, and I mean, this is because I have a mental health issue that makes me obsess about the things, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like hearing that, like I used to hear stuff like that and be like, Oh my God, it must mean that like what's coming up before my period is true. Yes. But I think yes. it's finding the balance of like not dismissing that, but also like yeah. what's kind of underneath yeah. the thing that's coming through. So like for yeah. me, it might be like, oh, I feel really anxious about um, the relationship I'm in. I might as well just say that's like, yeah. but actually what's underneath it is like, I feel hugely vulnerable and scared. Like, yeah. And yeah. that's what's kind of underneath and driving the like, oh, like, yeah. and maybe it's something about, yeah, I guess it's just like really tuning in and being like, what's actually driving this? Because yeah. things will come to the fore when you're premenstrual. That's definitely something so many people experience. But I think just explore the ideas, whatever they are, and kind of be like, what's the thing that's like actually driving this? And then that's where you can maybe find some really useful information about what's maybe needs to change in your life. Yeah. So that's, that's a really, really good point. And it's, it's, it's something that I think we have to navigate ourselves, given that we've got absolutely bugger all lack of research to yes. kind of help us yeah. understand what is going on. And, you know, it, it, I think it's something that we really have to get to grips with ourselves and kind of take the time to think about because no one else is out there doing it for us. You know, mm -hmm. there's not, not a lot of science going on behind it. And it, it is this, I mean, I guess the, the most kind of, whenever you look at the research behind it about what's going on, they talk about this idea that in the second, you know, they talk about PMS and I'm talking about PMS here, not kind of more extreme kind of PME or PMDD. I'm talking about PMS. They talk about it from usually about seven days before your period starts, mm. which is usually for, for lots of people as that kind of progesterone dips and that 
estrogen dip. So it's kind of like as your two hormones start to drop, that's when most people start to experience the symptoms. But and, and, you know, and so the theory goes that your reduction in the hormones means that you have less serotonin because obviously estrogen helps build serotonin. Progesterone has a very calming effect on the on the brain. So as those two kind of drop away, you're left feeling sort of more anxious, maybe lower mood, you know, and all the other different symptoms that, c that can come with it. Because as we were discussing before we came on, you have hormone receptors all over your body. So it makes sense that there would be up to 200 symptoms associated with PMS, because if you've got every cell of your body's got a hormonal receptor on for progesterone and estrogen, then every cell in your body can be affected by that drop. So, you know, I've got people in my clinic who get sore hands or their joints start to ache, people who start to feel ill, people who get headaches. No, I mean, it is I mean, it's insane, isn't it? The number of symptoms that can be linked to it. But I also think that people get it can get like um you know, different hormonal symptoms. And I'd, maybe they don't fall into the category of PMS, but with the peak of, East, with the, sorry, with the peak of progesterone, that can also be a difficult time for people or with the peak of estrogen, uh, ovulation can be a difficult time for people. So I guess it's about, it's not necessarily the rise or the fall, it's the sensitivity to it that you need to kind of understand and work out what happens for you. Because the other thing to say is what happens for one person might not happen for another. And it might change with every single cycle, depending on how stressed you are, your energy levels, whether you've been ill, how much exercise you're doing. I think these all these things can either help or uh, exacerbate your, your PMS cycle to cycle. If, do you notice yours kind of ebb and flow with your with what you're doing? Lifestyle yeah, wise? definitely. Like if I... I'm not on top of like nutrition and just sort of eating whatever then that can definitely make a difference if I exercise too much so I actually last year went on a like fitness retreat yeah. and um it was fun but Why? we didn't Why did you do that? my mum dragged me weirdly um and um we were doing like three hit workouts a day which was just bonkers yeah. And um, I got spotting, I ovulated later and my PMS wasn't great that month at all because I was just yeah. extreme exercise. Um, yeah. And then just also if my mental health is in a bad place, not necessarily because of my hormones, just because I've been having like an episode of poor mental health, yeah. then like it's a vicious circle where one affects the other, affects the other. And then like my cycle can just be like all over the place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's such a horrible feeling, isn't it? That kind of like, you, you do sort of feel like you're not, you're not in control of what's happening. And that mm. is, that is really, really overwhelming. And I think you're right in that often, I think what happens for lots of people is it, they, you find yourself in it before you know it. Yeah. And then once you're in it, you're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm on a highway to hell here because it, I, I've sort of, not uh, that sometimes can happen to me is that if I'm not really on it with the tracking, I suddenly go, why am I doing this? And then I'm like, oh yeah, that's, that's why. So yeah, I guess, I guess when, I mean, the thing is, is that what we're going to talk about a little bit now is kind of like how you can support it. And I, and I guess if anything has come through in the last six, seven episodes, you know, this is why, however many we've done, this is why I guess we talk so much about tracking, because if you know where you are in your cycle, you can at least 
understand why you might be feeling a certain way and that can really really help you kind of feel a bit better about what's going on and it's not just come out of the blue and that there is a, a hormonal element to it so I think obviously tracking is is really important and like we said before um, about supporting progesterone because whether it's too much progesterone too little progesterone sensitivity to it who knows but I think supporting your progesterone and supporting that luteal phase can only help Katie, you found supporting your progesterone in the luteal phase helpful for like balancing out your hormones. Definitely. Yeah, that came off the back of learning fertility awareness. And now it's a lot of the work I do with clients if they're struggling with PMS is really looking at supporting their progesterone production and their luteal phase. So I think I must have talked about in another episode how my luteal phase was like super short and yeah. on the cycles where I was doing things to support my progesterone levels, my luteal phase did increase in length. And yeah. my symptoms were definitely better on the cycles where the luteal phase was longer. So definitely doing all the things to support progesterone um, really positively impacted me. But I think that th a lot of the things that support progesterone will just support you throughout your whole menstrual cycle as well. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I know that um, like there are specific, can never say that word, vitamins like B vitamins are supposed to be very good, aren't they? Because I think they're really good for the um, hypothalamus pituitary mm -hmm. axis with the adrenal glands, so the HPA axis, which is all about governing stress. And they're, they're sort of the pituitary and the hypothalamus are very sensitive to stress. So I think supporting that with B vitamins and people often talk about ashwagandha, magnesium being really supportive, but I mean, we're not, we're not nutritionists, but you know, no. <laughs> I, but I recommend asking a nutritionist or working with one if you suffer, because also, as we've talked about before, you know, lots and lots of protein in your diet to really support that luteal phase is another really good sort of nutritional hack or way of life that can really support that. Um, anything else, Katie? Anything else that you found helpful? Um, yeah, getting like plenty of protein in my diet, making sure that I like plan my meals well, just in terms of like if I've got stuff in the house to like snack on that has like protein yeah. and fat in, rather than it being like four o'clock and buying a tub of Ben and Jerry's, which I definitely did today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because I wasn't organized um and like I find yeah making sure just that I'm organized like that helps me so much um yeah and getting like the right food in exercising like for me what seems to be working at the moment is between three and four or five times depending on where I'm in my cycle but when I'm in the luteal phase probably like three and more gentle stuff like I'm not doing anything crazy like I found that helpful but to keep my body moving yeah definitely and um and then like just looking after my mental health. So like I have to really, I literally got a big sheet on the wall of the OCD guide and what to do if yeah. I um, start to struggle and just like really making sure I'm on top of those things. Because if I yeah. stay on top of that, then um, yeah. they're both better. So yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, it's good, isn't it, to plan, to do all those things, to plan those, literally plan those things into your diary. Schedule it. Yeah, before you, because like we were said, you know, before you get there, because if you get there and you haven't and you, mm. you're finding that it's overwhelming, it can be very, very difficult until your hormones pick up again to kind of pull yourself out of it. So I mm. think, um, you know, telling your family or the people that you yeah. live with 
that you know I'm going in I'm going to be going into this time don't piss me off yeah yeah have have an awareness that this is going to be or this is sometimes can be a tricky time for me you know so people have got an awareness of where you're at I think can also be really really helpful so you know yeah, not... definitely I'll text my girlfriend and be like so I've ovulated um we'll we'll be more sensitive yeah. <laughs> um and yeah. she's like she totally knows to kind of expect it now and she'll I mean obviously she has a cycle as well so she like yeah. gets it <laughs> and um yeah. so she's like where are you in your cycle and I'm like yeah and um so yeah like definitely talking to people about it um something else that i've done that i found incredibly helpful is um i use google calendar other calendars are available and um i will put in like so you know when you're going on holiday you'd sort of put in across many days of like what that you'll be away and it kind of runs that color across the top of the days so i'll do that like red for the days that I'm bleeding. If anyone's familiar with like the inner seasons model of like spring being when you approach ovulation, summer being around ovulation and then autumn being after. So the sort of external seasons reflecting how you feel inwards. I literally put that into my calendar so then I can see the different colors. So I can just look. So I think, yeah, my, when a bleed is red, spring is green, summer is yellow, and then autumn is like a, a, a pinky color. Cause that's all they had. Yeah. And, um, um, so I find that really helpful of being like, okay, those days are when I'm going to be feeling premenstrual. What do I know to put in place or to not put in place during yeah. that time? And yeah. I found that really helpful cause it's very visual and, um, yeah. it's quite like easy. It's a, it's good, isn't it? Because I think it, you know, if if it's a really important time in when you're in that premenstrual phase as well to really think about all that stuff we talk about a lot around boundaries mm. and saying no to stuff, you know, and and sort of giving yourself permission to say, you know what, I'm not going to do that mm-hmm. today, and uh, I don't need to do it. I'm not going to do it without any kind of like guilt or self inner critical talk or chat. Um, I think that can really, really help it and preempt that. So you preempt that, you know, during this week, I'm not going to, I don't know, see the people that piss you off or, you know, put yourself in the situation that, you know, just say no to things. Oh, I'm not going to go out that night or I'm going to, you know, have a night into myself, whatever it is. You know, it's good to really think about those things and, and sort of having the wherewithal and the confidence to know that saying no to those things at that point of your cycle is going to really, really help you get through. So mm-hmm. it's important to try it. And I know it's, you know, it's easy to say, but it's good to start practicing. Yeah. 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 And like, just do it where you can, like, I appreciate yeah. you can't necessarily plan your entire life around your menstrual cycle, but no. just like having that awareness of it. So you can kind of, pull back where you can or like lean into when you're more energized and like where you're going to feel more energized is different for anyone but if you are a person that struggles with PMS then yeah just being aware of like what are the days where I can start to feel my mood or like my symptoms increase or my mood decline whatever and um just think about what's going to work for you then like I know in the few days before my period I'll see a couple of my close mates or my girlfriend and like they're the only people that I'm gonna see in those few yeah. days because anyone else it just takes like that more effort where I'm like oh, I can't, I can't. 
Yes. You, and you don't need to do it, do you? No. Like, you know, you're not going to feel, I think the thing is, is you're not going to feel like that forever, even though no. sometimes when you're in it, you feel like it is going to be forever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, saying no is not like a no full stop. It's a no for now type of thing. It's and, a like, yeah, not this week, but how about next? Yeah, like- exactly. Exactly. And also the other thing that I was going to just flag or talk about was, you know, if you're trying to conceive and you you're you can feel the PMS coming on. And I know it's very, very difficult to symptom spot in the second half of your cycle because, you know, pregnancy, PMS, in many ways, they're really linked together because it's about that progesterone levels. And if you're pregnant and your progesterone levels rise, that can give you feelings of PMS. People often say, well, I thought my period was going to come. It That's how it felt. But I think that if you are trying to conceive and you think, oh, here we go, it's like a double whammy. It's like PMS. It's like, you know, thinking that that cycle has not been successful on top of PMS. And that is shit. Yes. You know, it's shit. that is really, really, really tough. And yeah. so, I mean, I wish I had some amazing pearls of wisdom or answers for getting through that time. And, and I really don't. But I, I think the only thing that I can say is, you know, looking after yourself and being kind to yourself and knowing that it's tough is mm-hmm. is a really important thing because it is a massive double whammy. Yeah, I've not got a lot else to say on that. It's just really tough. It's really tough. So, yeah, yeah I think um, we discussed like, of, like things that can be really helpful in like making a plan and literally just writing down what you know works for you what's going to help you to feel more like yourself what makes you feel more grounded what helps you to relax and literally just writing those things down yeah can just be really helpful so if you are struggling a bit then you've got a bit of a plan of like okay well i know that painting or going for a walk or whatever it is like helps me feel nice yeah Early nights, as simple as that, early nights are often, I mean, I know that sounds really basic, but they can be really often the things are. <laughs> yeah, just not doing the washing up and going to get into bed. Yeah. Getting someone else to do it for you or, you know, something as simple as that can be really helpful. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. I hope that has been helpful. And um, we are going to be doing a very special last episode of this series because whatever episode we're on we don't know is it seven is it eight (laughs) i don't know someone will tell us (laughs) but (laughs) what i would say is we're going to do a q a so you can send us in any questions between now and when we're going to do it we don't know when that date is but just send in your questions and we will uh spend our last episode of this series answering your questions so anything that we've discussed anything that has come to mind, anything we might not have answered, anything that, you know, relates to you and your cycle or trying to conceive or tracking your cycle, then send us in your question. You can email it to us. You can connect with us on Facebook or uh, Instagram and um, we will spend the last episode answering your questions. So thank you very much, Katie. Thank you very much, Hannah. See you later. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have learned something helpful about your reproductive health and your fertility. If you would like to find out more information, then please come and join us in our free community on Facebook.
We have tons of resources, access to our webinars, we do live Q&As, and it's a chance to connect with other people who are trying to conceive. The link to register is in our show notes, and we hope to see you there.